Good morning. Good to see you all. First Sunday in 2020. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. Just want to say uh, welcome and good morning. We are kicking off this brand new series called Pray Like This. Last couple years, we've started the year off in January uh, with 21 days of prayer and fasting and, and talking a lot about prayer as one of the foundational things to our faith and how we communicate with God, how God communicates with us. And so this whole month, we're gonna be spending time just saying, what does God's word say about prayer? How do we pray? And I think it's really cool because our elementary kids also are gonna be spending this month learning about prayer. What does that mean? And so if you have elementary age kids, you can ask them what they learned back in the uh, in, in kids program. Um, but prayer is all about communication. And sometimes communication goes really well, and sometimes I think communication doesn't go so well. So last week, I, was, uh, I woke up in the morning, and I got an email from Kristen. Uh, Kristen's my wife. And I was like, oh, this is this really nice e-card. And it said, hey, I know things can be tough in life, and sometimes I don't have, always have the right words to say. But I just want you to know that I'm, I'm thinking about you, and, and uh, I, I want to encourage you, and here's sending you hugs at night, and uh, a little something extra to later tonight. And I was like, wow, what a great e-card from her. This is so sweet. And so I responded, oh, babe, thanks so much, even though you don't feel like you always have the right words to say. Like, I, I know what you're thinking. And, and she <laughs> emailed me back saying, what? I didn't send you that card. And I was like, awkward. Um, turns out it was an e-card she sent two years ago that somehow the e-card company had resent two years later. Um, so I was like, oh, that's super awkward. Thanks for thinking of me. Anyways, she's like, yeah, it was, it was something. But if, you know, we have all these different ways of communicating. We can send e-cards. We can send, you know, TikTok videos or whatever. Um, you know, we, we have Marco Polo and Facebook Messenger. And it feels like with all these ways of communicating, we should be pros at communication, right? And it feels like we should have no problems communicating with our spouses or our boss or our friends. But the reality is, a lot of times I think we, we struggle to communicate. And I think the same is true with our God. It feels like, wow, it should be so easy to talk to God. It should be so simple uh, to, to pray, but most of us, I think that hasn't been our experience. As Christians, we know we should pray. And sometimes maybe we, we, we pray in the morning before a big test or we need extra strength or, or, you know, a lot of times we pray before meals. And honestly, I, I think that's a great trigger to pray. But sometimes it is kind of weird, like, what are we asking God to bless sometimes when we are praying over our food? And uh, how many of you guys know the comedian Tim Hawkins? He has the great Chick-fil-A song. Yeah, so he has a funny little clip I thought I'd, uh, I'd play about. Sometimes it's kind of weird that we pray over our food. Uh, if we have that clip, Mike, go ahead and run that one. I love this one over food. Sometimes we pray over food and ask God to make up for our bad choices when we eat. That's funny. No matter what it is, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord, bless this bag of Cheetos. And this jumbo Dr. Pepper, Lord. Somehow make this nourish us in some way. I don't know how you're going to do it, Father, but we just trust in you now. Father, change the molecular structure of this food. 
this complete trash we're about to shove in our gullet. Change the Cheeto into a carrot stick on the way down. Spirit of low carb, rain down on me now! I pray a hedge of protection around my pancreas, Lord! Oh, man. Oh, thanks, Intervene! <laughs> oh, anyone else been guilty of that? Like, you know what you're eating is not good, and you're like, God, can you change? I've never prayed to change the molecular structure, though. That's a smart one. I'm gonna start doing that. But I think, honestly, for many of us, we struggle with prayer. We feel guilty uh, for how little we do pray. And then when we do spend time praying, we get there and we're like, God, I don't know what to say or what to do. But I do know this thing, is that... The disciples, they spent all this time with Jesus and they saw the faith and the power that Jesus had in his life. And they saw what kind of prayers Jesus was able to pray. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he did. And that means that we can learn how to pray, that we can grow in our ability to communicate with God and in our ability to pray. And I believe that we can take some steps now here today that will build our faith, that will that build these, these uh, spiritual muscles of, of, of learning how to pray. And we can put some things in action so that at the end of 2020, we'll uh, grow in our ability to pray and, and we'll be closer to God at the end of this year than we will at the beginning of this year. Uh, and so we're gonna be diving into what did Jesus teach his disciples? That's why the series is called Pray Like This. He said, pray like this. Uh, before we, we dive into today's scripture, would you just join me in a, in a word of prayer? <coughs> God, I thank you that you are, are here today. You are with us. God, as we start this new year out, we just wanna focus on you, God. We pray that you would be the foundation that we build our lives on. God, that we would believe that we are chosen, we are forgiven. God, that we are your children. And God, I wanna pray for the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Help him play his best game today and beat those evil saints. In your name we pray, amen. Amen? Well, Jesus gave this high priority to prayer, both as an example in his own life and also in his teaching. And his friends, the disciples, they saw the power that Jesus had in his life to bring good news to those who needed it so desperately. How Jesus was able to bring hope and truth and love. And they saw the phenomenal success he had in life and, and ministry. And, and they said, teach us, Jesus, how to pray. And they undoubtedly learned those lessons because in the book of Acts, which we studied all of last year, we spent a whole year or so going through the whole book of Acts, it's evident that the disciples demonstrated their dependence on God through prayer. And they knew where true authority lay and they knew how to access that, that power through faith and urgent intercession. The early church, as we studied it last year, was undoubtedly a church that prayed. Mosaic, we wanna be a church that emulates them because a praying church is a force to be reckoned with, Amen. This, this last week or last two weeks or so, I've been just studying up on, on what some of the great authors have to say about prayer. I just wanna share some, just some quotes that I came across this week. <coughs> uh, and uh, this week, I, you just said like a Monday morning recap. I'm gonna send out some of just the books I've been reading if you wanna go deeper in, in some books on prayer. But Richard Foster, he says this, that prayer 
ushers us into the holy of holies, where we bow before the deepest mysteries of the faith and one fears to touch the ark. Richard Foster also says this, that today the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. And he's inviting you and me to come home, to come home to where we belong, to come home for that which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. And then Philip Hughes writes this, that prayer is stressed over and over again in the New Testament as a vital prerequisite for the release and experience of God's power. Prayer is a prerequisite for experiencing the release of God's prayer. One author was talking about churches and and how we need to be building our foundation on Christ and, and spending time in prayer. And he said that churches that don't spend time in prayer, they don't have a priority for prayer. What they're saying to God is, God, don't worry about this. We got this. And our own strength, our own ability, our own power, we don't need you to show up. But church, we wanna be a church that says, we don't got this. We need God's strength and power in our lives, the life of our church, in our relationships, amen? We don't wanna tell God, hey, we can handle this on our own. Uh, J.O. Frazier, a, a mighty missionary in the ni- 19th and 20th century in China, he wrote this. He said, why prayer is so indispensable, we cannot say, but we had better recognize the, fa- the fa- fact even if we can't explain it. He says, we can't really explain why prayer is so important to the unleashing of God's power and presence in our lives and, and in our world and in ministry, but we better recognize it. As, as, you, as we walk through the Gospels, when we studied the book of Luke, we saw again and again that Jesus would withdraw for times of prayer. And we saw in the early church, again and again, they would gather to pray before stepping into ministry. We saw that, that, that the early church, they, they gathered together. The time spent waiting on God is not time wasting, but it's waiting to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so then we can go do the work that he has for us. And throughout the book of Acts, we saw that again and again, that the, the church would get together and pray and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to us where you want us to go, who you want us to send out, where you want us to, to share your, your hope and your love with others. And the Holy Spirit would speak to them and lead them and guide them. Then they'd go into action and they'd preach. They, they'd meet the tangible needs of people. And they'd go back to prayer. And is this the cycle of waiting on God, of praying, and then going into action. And and that's what we want as a church. D.A. Carson, the theologian, says this. says, much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. We do not drift into spiritual life. We do not drift into disciplined prayer. We will not grow in prayer unless we plan to pray. That means we must self-consciously set aside time to do nothing but pray pray. In my own life, I'm wired up to be a doer. <laughs> I want to accomplish things. I want to do things. Um, uh, if you've studied the Enneagram, I'm a, I'm a three, which means I just love checking things off. I'm a achiever. Uh, I love telling the world that I've done things, um, posting that on social media. That's just kind of how my uh, Enneagram type is wired up. And in life, I want to just go ahead and do things. But what I've learned 
especially these last four years in the life of being the pastor of this church, is that I need to take time to not do, not always meeting with people or studying, but simply meet with God, simply pray. And uh, it's been interesting that uh, some of you guys know, uh, the first four years of our church or so, uh, my office was Starbucks, which was great. Um, actually, now I have a sensitivity to coffee. The doctor said I can't drink coffee anymore, maybe because I spent six days a week in Starbucks um, and by osmosis, I don't know. Um, but a couple months ago, uh, I met this Christian businessman. He actually gave me a free office space just two blocks from here, which has been phenomenal. But one of the benefits of that which is a little different than office at Starbucks, is yeah, I can keep all my commentaries and, and study books there. But also I have a place now where I can just pray. Um, it's a little weird to get down on your knees and spend time in prayer at Starbucks. Uh, but to do that in your office space, it's so good to do that. And just personally, for me, it's, it's been such a good reminder that it's not just about doing, but sometimes we just need to be in relationship with our God. And so I know personally, I've been on this journey as I've been learning more and more that this time of just waiting on God, of just being with him, it's not time wasted. You know, you can't always say, well, this is what I accomplished. But as a church, as followers of Christ, as your pastor, my my desire is that we all grow in this ability to just spend time with our creator God, to be with him. I think so many of us, though, we... We struggle with prayer and we feel guilty and we don't know what we should say or do. But in Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he gave some great wisdom and advice and he ends it with, with teaching on a model, which it's called the Lord's Prayer. And he tells his disciples, this is how you should pray. And so today, I just want us to, to, to go through this a little bit and this kind of set the foundation for the rest of this month on prayer. Um, you can follow along with me, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. <coughs> I'm going to read actually first out of the ESV. I don't know if we have both versions back there. And then later, I'm going to do the King James Version. So if we only have the King James, that's fine. But I'm just going to read out of the ESV. Uh, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus says, this is then how you should pray. And he starts it off by saying, our father. Maybe you've read this scripture. Maybe you grew up Lutheran uh, or Methodist or some denomination where you just recited this prayer again and again and it just became kind of rote to you, just something you did. But this is the way Jesus said, in this way, you should pray. And so that's why I want to dissect this a little bit because it's so easy to just kind of jump past it. But the first thing Jesus said is to praise our Father. Now, here in our 21st century context, again, where we you know, have shorthand of, you know, say so many our fathers or whatever prayers, that's just kind of normal. But in Jesus' day, this was radical. This is groundbreaking. The idea that we can relate to God as our Father, as our Daddy, was, was revolutionary. See, Jesus didn't say, start with our God or, or dear Jehovah. Jesus says we can come to God as our good father. In Aramaic, the language that Jesus would have spoke, that, that word is Abba. 
It's this term of great intimacy and affectionate respect. Oftentimes it was like the first word that a child would say, but adults could also use it for their fathers. Jesus is telling us, when we come to God, we don't need to come with fear that he's some large, distant sovereignty. But we can say, Father, Daddy. And in the same way that no father, no good father wants to reject his children they come to him, that's the way God looks at us. He's so excited for us to come to him. Now, I know some of you, maybe you have baggage with, with your dad. And I'm so sorry for that. That if you do not have a good relationship with your father. But what I hope that you can do is that in the ways that maybe your father messed up and he wasn't perfect, you can know that that aching and that longing in your heart is for the perfect father. That our God, that he does love unconditionally, that he does welcome us, that he never will leave or abandon you, that he will never harm you. And Jesus says, that's the way that we can come to God. In the same way that a little child crawls up in their lap, like my little Andrew who's four all the time, asking me questions and coming up and crawling in my lap and crawling all over me. That's the way God wants us to come to him. As we spend this month of just focus on prayer, I want to encourage you to think that way about God. That he's your good and perfect daddy who's just waiting for you to come to him, to crawl into his lap. And Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Now, sometimes we talk about like, this is hallowed ground, this is special, this is holy ground. And Jesus is cleansing our expectations in prayer that God is not just some genie that grant our requests, but also but that our, our chief concern in prayer is that God would be glorified and honored. And so when you pray, address it to your father, but then spend some time paying honor to his name. It's a good idea when we go to prayer to start off by just saying, you know, dear heavenly father, you are so, so good. You are wonderful and amazing. And just list off some of those attributes of God. God, you are so loving and wonderful. That you are so powerful that you are in my life. It's, it's giving the glory to his name that is due. He's our daddy, but he's also the king of the universe. And he, and he alone is worthy of all our praise. And so as, as we pray, we come to him as a little child, but then we, we share, we, we hallow his name by giving honor to him. And, and it's, it's, it's a good reminder in our lives before we dive into our list of requests to just share, what, what are you thankful for? You know, what are you thankful about his character, but what he has done for us? Then Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is saying here is that we get to partner with God to bring heaven to earth. Jesus invites us to to pray that God's kingdom would be extended throughout this earth. The, and, and as we pray, say, God, how do you want to use me to expand your kingdom so that things here on, on earth are the way they are in heaven? The fourth thing he says is, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is teaching us that through prayer, we can ask God to meet 
our daily needs. Martin Luther, the great reformer, stated that this bread was a symbol for everything necessary for the preservation of this life, like food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. God wants to provide for us what we need. And after we've, we've come to him, asked, dear father, and we've lifted up his name and we, we prayed for his kingdom to come, then we bring our request to him. And say, God, this is what I need. We're offering our, our request to him. Here's where I need from you, God. And then, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We live in the pain of a not yet redeemed world. And this part of the prayer, Jesus is teaching us to not allow guilt from the things that we have done to shame us, but instead to receive God's loving forgiveness. And it's, it's a chance for us to confess our sins to him. As, as a couple summers ago, we studied the Psalms and Psalm 139 where David prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. And so this is a chance for us to, to pray that prayer. God, search my heart. What are the wicked ways inside of me? And then when God reveals those things to, to us, we agree with him, and then we ask God for forgiveness for those things that he's brought to us. Oh, yeah, that's right, God, I lost my temper with my kids, or, or I, I did this thing or, or that thing. That's right. And as we confess then we receive his full and total forgiveness. As 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And so we, we, we pray to God, search our hearts. Reveal to me the, the things that I need to confess to you. And then we confess those things. And then we don't dwell on that, but we receive God's forgiveness. And in addition to confessing our sins, we also release others from the ways they have wronged us. And that is so, so hard. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 3, verse 13, he says, if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. In forgiving others, we must first admit that someone has offended us. I think sometimes we just don't wanna deal with that pain that hurts, the relational break. So the first step is just acknowledging it. Second, then to release people from that debt, like Jesus did on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then third, we ask God to, for the grace to seek reconciliation with that person. God, his desire for us is not to hold on to those hurts. It's also not to deny them to acknowledge it, hey, this person hurt me. They wronged me. Help me, God, now to acknowledge that and then to release it through the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can let go of that hurt and that pain. And then if there's a way that I need to seek reconciliation to do that. I found this great video clip just talking about the power of forgiving those who have wronged us. Uh, Mike, if we got that, go ahead and play that. That's the way of Jesus. It's not just to deny that we've been hurt, to just shove it into a corner and not deal with the emotional pain, but to say, man, this is hard. I've been hurt, I've been wronged. 
But you know what? We have all wronged God. And through the cross, God offers forgiveness and grace. And so the way of Jesus is to say, God, give me the grace to follow like Jesus. To acknowledge it happened, to deal with it, and then to forgive. To extend the hand of forgiveness, the hand of love and grace. Now, whenever I talk about forgiveness, I think an important thing to note is that forgiveness is not the same as complete restoration of relationship. If you have been in a relationship with someone who is abusive, who has hurt you, by God's grace, you can forgive them, you can find healing, but that doesn't mean you allow them to keep hurting you. And boundaries are good and right. And we see throughout the Bible that is a good thing to have. And so if someone has broken your trust, they need to re-earn that trust. But we don't want to continue to hold that thing against them. And so we can, we can learn to forgive those who have wronged us in light of the forgiveness we've received from God. But we need to also be wise in our relationships. And finally, Jesus prays, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus teaches us to seek God to help us through life by protecting us and preserving us. And even though the enemy intends us harm, we pray, God, deliver us from that. As we spend this month focusing on prayer, what we've been doing, again, is this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the best way to learn how to pray is not just listening to some sermons, not reading a book. The best way to learn to pray is by praying. D.A. Carson wrote that good praying is more easily caught than taught. I wanna encourage you that this week to spend some time set aside for prayer. Use this model that Jesus gave as you, as you kind of walk through it. You don't need to simply repeat the same prayer that he did. He says, pray like this. He doesn't say, pray exactly like this. And God has chosen to work through people. The Bible shares many times that God waited to act until people petitioned him in prayer. And, and the fancy word for this is, is intercession. Webster's Dictionary defines intercession as to go or pass between, to act between parties with a view to reconcile those who differ or contend, to interpose or mediate. Intercession is to go in between. Intercession happens in our courts with lawyers going in between for their clients in business meetings as secretaries or associates represent each other. It involves delegation, authority, representation. When God created the earth, he created Adam to represent God on planet earth. Literally, God was Adam's intercessor or mediator on earth, but Adam failed and he messed up and then God had to send the last Adam, Jesus, to fix what Adam messed up. And Jesus Christ came to represent God on earth. He became God's intercessor or mediator going between and representing God to humanity. The Bible tells us to know God, we simply look at Jesus. Jesus is God clothed in flesh who made his dwelling among his people. But the great news isn't just that God, that Jesus represents God to humanity, it goes both ways. That Jesus represents man to God. Jesus is our great advocate. Whenever I'm praying for someone, I picture it like this. That when I approach the throne of God and see seated high, Jesus is there. And Jesus says, Father, Eric's here to speak with you. 
He's not coming on his own behalf, but he's here based on what I have done and, and my merits of righteousness. He's here in my name. I'm sure you remember that I've gone between you and Eric and provided him access to you. He's a few things to ask you. And the father says, of course, come Eric boldly with your requests as I come in the name of Jesus. In the same way we can come to God with boldness, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross by providing us access to God. And so when God puts someone on your heart, if someone you know is struggling, we get to intercede for them to go between. And so we say, man, I know my brother is struggling. So I'm, I'm gonna go between them and take them before the throne of God and say, God, would you listen to the need of my friend? I'm not coming on my own behalf. I'm becoming on the resume, the righteousness of Christ. And, 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 and it helps me sometimes to, to physically think about that or in my mind that I'm bringing that person before God. And maybe they're, they're just struggling and they're, they don't have the faith or the hope to pray for themselves. And so we get to be the intercessors for them as we come before God and we bring our friends before them. If you are a follower of Jesus and God has sent you out as his representatives to intercede for people through consistent, persistent prayer. <coughs> One of the things that Jesus talks often about as, as I wrap up today, uh, he, he partners prayer and fasting a lot. Uh, in our 21st century American culture, uh, we do a lot better at feasting than fasting. <laughs> the, God's people did both. They'd feast and celebrate what God did. And we do a really good job of that, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, and we have the, the ham and the turkey, and we're so good at, at celebrating. But there's also fasting. And, and that's, that's a fancy sometimes word, or it feels like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. But the, this is on the third year. We're, we're really encouraging people in our church to spend the new year starting off with 21 days starting today of prayer and fasting. And, and fasting is this idea that we are limiting something out of our lives temporarily to allow more room for God in our life. As we take something out, it creates space for then God to come in more in a greater way. We pray and fast to find freedom. We pray and fast to know God. We pray and fast to get wisdom for revival, for healing, for protection and deliverance. Uh, my Monday morning recap, I'll send out some just different options for fasting. Now, in the Bible, fasting is exclusively about denying food. Now, in today's culture, a lot of times people will do a social media fast or other different kinds of fast, and that's good. I would encourage you, though, that if you are able and you don't have dietary restrictions, if you're not pregnant or a nursing mom or, or you have diabetes or some kind of complications, I would encourage you to try some kind of fasting as it pertains to food. In our culture, we just don't often do that. We don't often deny ourselves food or, or, or something like that. But primarily, as we study the Bible, that's what fasting is all about. There's lots of different ways to fast. My, my first real experience with fasting was uh, as, as a Bible college student, our, our president of our Bible college, uh, every Friday he encouraged us to fast just lunch on Friday. And, and I got into that rhythm in, in college of doing that. 
and then uh, just one meal on Fridays. And during that time when I'm normally eating, I, I spent that time in prayer. And so there's lots of different ways we can fast. Um, there's the, the Daniel fast, which is only eating certain kinds of foods, mostly uh, fruits and vegetables, things like that. Uh, there's an intermittent fasting of saying, I'm not gonna eat during these hours. Maybe if you've never done it, something you could try is just maybe even just once a week during these 21 days, picking one meal and saying, uh, this breakfast time, this lunch, dinner, whatever it might be, I'm going to fast. I'm not gonna eat for this one meal. But then it's not just skipping it and then doing whatever you want, but instead taking that time that you normally use for meal prep, for eating, to spend time with God, spending time in prayer, spending time in God's word. Uh, maybe during these 21 days, again, you're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna fast uh, you know, every breakfast or, or lunch or during these hours, uh, or I'm gonna do a juice fast or something. But I'd really encourage you today, if you haven't yet thought through that, think about what could you do to stretch yourself Because if we want to go somewhere in 2020 we've never been before, then we're going to have to do some things we've never done, right? And and starting this year off, it's it's starting with some good habits. So real quick, I just want to run through some things on fasting. Uh, Bill Bright, who uh, started Campus Crusade for Christ, just an amazing man of God who just so tenderous for Christ, he wrote um, some great steps on on fasting. I just want to share some of the things that he wrote. Number one, he says, to start off with, set your objective. Why are you fasting? Is it for spiritual renewal? Is it for guidance, for healing? Maybe you got something going on in your life and you need God to intervene. And so ask the Holy Spirit to clarify, why is it that I want to be fasting as I start off 2020? This will enable you to pray more specifically and strategically. And through fasting and prayer, we humble ourselves before God so the Holy Spirit stirs up our souls and awakens our churches and heals our land. Make this a priority as you're fasting. But set that, why am I doing this? Is it for guidance? Is it to get closer to God this year? Is it to uh, freedom from this certain sin that I, 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 you seem like you can't get over? Number two, make your commitment. Figure out what kind of fast do you wanna do. Um, and, and as you do that, you know, are you gonna have to restrict certain kind of activities, you know, not be as physical or active? How much time are you going to devote to prayer, to God's word during these 21 days? So, so what, you know, what's your objective? And then make your commitment. Uh, you know, at the start of the year, there's so much things about goal setting, all this stuff. And really, they say, if you don't write down your goals, like, it's never, ever going to happen. Um, it's just a promise you make to yourself that you're never going to keep. And so write down, during this month of January, what are your hopes for how you want to get closer to God and grow in that relationship to him. What kind of commitment are you going to make? Number three, prepare yourself spiritually. Confess every sin that the Holy Spirit brings to mind. Seek forgiveness from those that you have offended or, or those that, and forgive those who have hurt you. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit during this, this month. Meditate on the attributes of God and on his love and sovereignty and, and power and wisdom and faithfulness and grace in your life. And don't underestimate spiritual opposition. So many times when we intend to draw closer to God and say, we're gonna remove some things out of our life so we can focus on him, we do have a spiritual enemy and he comes against us. And so we need to recognize that, that we have victory and power through God, but we have an enemy. And so as we go into this time of focused on God, 
of, of pressing into him, understanding our enemy won't like that. And so we set our objectives. We say, God, what, what exactly do you want me to do or make our commitment? We're gonna prepare ourselves spiritually. Step four, put yourself on a schedule. For maximum spiritual benefit, Bill Bright says, to set ample time to be alone with the Lord. Listen to his leading. The more time you spend with him, the more meaningful your fast will be. He recommends start your day with praise and worship. Read and meditate on God's word. Perhaps even on your knees. Maybe that's something you've done, but that's something we've talked about this a lot, how our bodies are connected to our minds and our souls. And so when we lift our hands and worship, it does something to our souls. Or when we get down on our knees, we're humbly submitting ourselves to our king. And so as we read his word on our knees, that affects the posture of our hearts. Invite the Holy Spirit to work in you. Invite God to use you. Show that he'll show you how you can love and serve your world, your family, your church, your community. Pray for his vision for your life and empowerment to do his will. Start your day that way, of focusing on him during these 21 days. And then, you know, at noon, maybe you wanna, on your lunch break, return to prayer in God's word. If it's not frigid and too cold, you know, take a short prayer walk. That's one of my favorite things is, is to walk outside, get some sunlight, and, and then to just converse with God. And then as I'm walking, again, there's something about that, that activity of our bodies in movement. I can spend more time. It's easier for me to, to praise God for what he's done. Uh, maybe during lunch, you want to spend that time as just intercession for your community, for your, the nation's leaders, for the unreached millions of people in this world, for your family, for special needs. Of, maybe during lunch, that's when you, you tangibly think about that. All right. I'm approaching God the Father and I come through Jesus because of what he's done on the cross, I can come boldly to him. And, and so now I got this family member who's struggling and so I'm gonna think about bringing them before the throne of God. And during lunch, you're gonna be as that intercession. And then in the evening, have some unhurried time of being with God. Uh, maybe you wanna meet with others during, uh, during this 21 days of prayer and fasting on, on Thursday, starting this week and the next three weeks uh, at our house, we're just gonna have a time of anyone who wants to come, <coughs> excuse me, just some unplugged worship and some prayer time uh, from uh, 6.30 till eight o'clock. We're gonna have some childcare workers for those little kids who wanna come, but if your older elementary kids wanna participate, that's great. Uh, we just wanna give you an opportunity throughout the week, come here on Sundays, but then also on a Thursday, just gather at my house and uh, just to, to focus on, on God and, and to worship him and, and to pray together as a community. And during the 21 days, maybe in those evenings, you know, it's saying, hey, you know what, let's, let's back off. We're not gonna watch TV during this time. Instead, we're gonna focus on Christ. And, and the last step is to expect results. If you sincerely humble yourself before the Lord, repent, pray, and seek God's face, if you consistently meditate on his word, you'll experience a heightened awareness of his presence. Maybe this, this year, as we start a new decade, there's a longing for you to, to know God more, to be more cre connected with your creator. What's not gonna happen, you're not just gonna drift into that accidentally. We have to be intentional, individually, as a church, 
And so these 21 days is a great chance to say, okay, God, we're gonna focus in on you. We're gonna expect results. We're gonna expect, God, that you're gonna give us new spiritual insights for new confidence that our, our faith is gonna be strengthened. We're gonna be refreshed. We're gonna see answers to our prayers. And the more specific and purposeful that we are, the more specific our results are gonna be. We pray and fast to know God. Because until we know God, we can't know what to do. And so this whole season is about seeking his face to, to know him. And when we fast, bringing our, our, our physical bodies to a place of hunger, then we hunger after Jesus. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up and we're gonna, as we wrap up our service, we're gonna move in time of communion uh, and then our offering at the very end. But before we go to communion, I wanna do something and I don't know how this is gonna work and it's gonna be a little weird, so just stick with me, please. Can you stand up and if you need to move, I want us to grab hands. I know it's cold and flu season, just deal. And so if you need to move because you don't have people close to you, let's do that. Get close, get some hands. There you go, get close. Why don't you guys come in closer? Come in closer, you guys, come on, come on. We're at one body here. And uh, one thing we're gonna do, go ahead and put the, um, the scripture back up there again, Mike. And uh, we don't do this a lot. We don't uh, repeat things as a community out loud, but I thought during this series, we're gonna do this every Sunday, uh, just as a reminder that we are one body in Christ. As Jesus says, this is how we should pray. And so I want us to recite uh, the Lord's Prayer together. And... Uh, yeah, we have it in the King James Version because probably if you haven't memorized, you have it in the King James Version. And so um, I just thought this would be a, just a, a great um, reminder to us that we are one body in Christ, that we are praying together. And then after this, uh, Josh is gonna come up and just lead us through uh, communion. Um, but let's, let's say this together as one community. Uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. While Josh is coming out, uh, one more thing I forgot to mention. Um, we have these 21 days uh, prayer journals. This is our gift for you. Thanks to your generosity, we're able to provide these. And these are out of the resource table. This is a great thing to take home. We got more than enough. Grab one of these. And during these 21 days, you can read some scriptures, write down some prayers. And uh, it's just a way to focus your, your mind and heart uh, this week. Uh, Josh is going to lead us through communion now.